Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the Critical Twits Gaming Podcast, where today we take a look at tabletop role-playing games and how to create compelling characters. the Critical Twits, more specifically I'm Brian Ennis, I'm Aaron Vinsky and I'm Joe Lewin and today we're going to start a brand new regular series where we look at the basics of tabletop role playing games and we're going to start with how to create a compelling player character Ooh. for your tabletop role play. Yes. Um, we did have a look at sort of in a more general sense uh, tabletop role playing, what it is and how it works in an earlier episode. Yes. Which was episode what Aaron? Because I forgot to write it down. Twelve. Oh, I was going to say twelve. Oh fuck! Let's let's look. If it's episode twelve, then we'll we'll. I deserve get some cheering. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what? You're one out. Oh, that's amazing. Well done. Um, yes, we talked about tabletop role play in more general detail in episode thirteen, um, but as we've sort of grown and developed, people have mentioned tabletop role playing to us um, it's quite a tricky thing to get into sometimes especially if you're starting from sort of scratch yeah definitely because it's not as handholdy as other geek aspects I suppose it's not it's like a bit sitting more... down to play a board game where there's a codified set of rules you follow the book and it it kind of works you, yeah there's it's much freer yeah you could follow the rules of the book for character creation and have a poo character yeah well look the the other thing as well is you you don't sit down to play a uh, role playing game with a group of friends and have a bunch of friends that want to play the game differently. Yeah, it's like going oh well when I play Monopoly, I I like to uh, burn down the houses, roll three dice, and one of them lives in my bum. <laughs> no, frighteningly, I could imagine that happening. Just at the end games, like right, I need the extra one that's firing Monopoly, out across though, the board. Just, just taking Monopoly as an example, do you guys do the thing where the tax money in the middle is yours if you land on free parking? No. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's not a real rule of Monopoly. No, no, because it makes the game drag off fucking ever. Yes, but it's loads of people do it. Yeah. But and if you imagine that as a great example, yeah. a house rule, yeah, and then having your entire experience so quite how you roll the dice whether or not you can buy things on the first go round all this all these kind of weird things if you imagine taking that and applying it to how you play the game so the basic rules almost or the objective we're playing Monopoly but the idea is to have two houses on everything you own not to have the most money go yeah it becomes very interesting to get an entire group of people and we've spent years doing this um getting a group of people that want to play the game the same way you do yeah um, and I think that's going to be one of the things that we will come back to is, is communication is mm. talking to your DM um, or your games master your dungeon master your keeper your storyteller whoever it is that's running the game your own personal Jesus my own. yeah <laughs> I'm not going to sing because you guys look at me with fear in your eyes whenever I sing on the podcast. It doesn't get my emotions. It's hatred, Brian. <laughs> hatred, that, that, that look. Well, I may have been kidding myself. She's in thinking. <laughs> thinking seems to be angry. Fear seems actually hatred. It's... Maybe you're scared. Do I do emotions wrong? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Good way to read Aaron. Aaron's just confused all the time. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Why is this happening? <laughs> What's going on? Why um, was I born? Yeah. Um, I mean, for. Oh, your mummy and 
Uh, for those who aren't too sure about tabletop role-playing games, uh, go back and listen to episode 13, have a, have a mm. through. Um, we're going to sort of expand on some of those ideas. Mostly we're starting with characters, A, because it's kind of your entry point into the game yeah. Yeah, as if, a player. If, well, if you're, yeah, that's it. If you're new, you're probably not going to be playing the role of the DM straight away, so this is mean. where you would start. Yeah, I think our next one will go through sort of some basics for DMs, how to sort of run a session and that kind of thing. But right. generally, unless you're starting a whole group fresh... Yeah. Generally, roleplay is kind of one of those things where the experienced initiate the younglings and sort of draw them in. Like a cult. Yes, it (laughs) is. Um, On that um, thing... If you'd like to join our couple. <laughs> yes. No, no, I was going to find a find a thing. Um, do you guys, I mean, it's a little bit kind of before our time, so I'm not sure how much of it you're aware of. Oh, I um, forgot what you're coming up. Have you seen, like, the, the satanic panic surrounding Dungeons & Dragons and role-playing games? And yeah. Stuff? Um, there's a really good article on Dirge magazine going through one of the guys who did a lot of the, the comic book uh, forms of it. Yeah, um, and I can't remember his name, which is why I'm now mumbling. And is this kind you. of is this within the same vein that um, I've seen some of it? I believe in the kind of like you can't watch Harry Potter because it uses magic and yes, very summoning. much the yeah. Christians don't like fun. Yes, well, you're, you're yes. summoning things and you're you're yes. coming across demons and you can even play them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, an, an article um, on Dirge by Matt O'Connell um, about Jack Chick. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, who was um, in the 80s uh, writing a lot about those kinds of things. And it's yeah. it, it's full of great little things like, uh, Debbie, your cleric has been raised to the eighth level. I think it's time that you learn how to really cast spells. You mean you're going to teach me how to have real power? Yes, you have the personality for it now. And then this kid ends up um, becoming a priestess in the Temple of Diana and oh, yeah. and falling morally and all this sort of stuff. Um, awesome. It's quite mad. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, well worth having a look at. It's, um, I mean, from a modern perspective, it's, uh, it's funny as hell, but... If you were a kid in the 80s playing it, you were... You could be massively chastised in your community in the states for admitting to it. Yeah, yeah, so you um, from people. Yeah. Generally, you're gonna, you're gonna, your first role playing experience will be as a player character. Yes. Um, or PC. PC. Yeah, we'll probably use all sorts of terminology. So if I use some terminology, if any of us use it and we don't correct the other, like jump in and just explain. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, and if we miss any. Um, tell us and um, I will prostrate myself before you and send you a biscuit Ooh. if you so desire they are good biscuits yes um, fancy biscuits for fancy listeners yes mm. <laughs> that's Pandering. good I like that that's good um, it can be quite intimidating to be told to make up a, an entirely brand new person that's never existed mm. and start pretending to be them now different groups and this is where communication is sort of um is is a good way to go before you start playing start talking with your dm because some groups get really into the role play yeah. mm-hmm. and every word that is uttered while the group is sat around the table is considered to be in character so there's a difference between what you say in character which are the words your character is saying and then you're out of character table chat or description of your actions etc. I have a quite entertaining anecdote on the fact if you'd like to 
entertaining um, anecdotes yes. here on the critical twits. Well, obviously, my my main uh, experiences with roleplay are with you guys. Yeah. Uh, more specifically, Brian, you've been a newer addition, Aaron. Yeah. Um, and makes him sound like he's an upgrade. <laughs> he's like Brian two point or something. <laughs> It's an upgrade for some of the people. <laughs> um, but we we do a um, a particular thing that, that's died out a little bit more recently. Um, but one of our our old things to to try and keep people in character was if you want what you're saying to be considered out of character, was to hold your fist against your head. Yeah. Yeah. So you look like a bit of a twat and you try and avoid doing it. Yeah. Um, this is not a universal phenomenon. <laughs> not every group does this. And if you do it in front of other people, they look at you like you're a fucking nutter. Well, yeah, because um, most of us tend to do it so it looks like we have some sort of gentle um, the intrusion idea, from the, our heads. The, the idea originally from the player that brought it to our group was that you look like a dickhead. Yeah. Because you look like you were holding a dick on, on top of your head. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so it was just to encourage people to stay in character to keep the roleplay flowing because it's very easy to get distracted. So essentially you joined a new group, did that, and called somebody else at the table a dickhead. Well, they were like going, what, what are you doing? <laughs> um, I, and I almost did it during a presentation at university once. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I had to explain that this is a thing we do in the other group yeah. because we are... Because there, there is it's probably something that's worth pointing out to people. There's almost a spectrum of players, <laughs> but... Whereas on one end of it, you have the, I basically am playing a computer game where I just want to go through dungeons and hit things. Yeah. yeah and on yeah. the other end of it, you have the, I'm trying to write a book with my friends. Yeah. Yeah. We, we are we're just telling stories. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. We, there's, I suppose most roleplay systems assume you fall on like the middle line. Yeah. And give you, you options either way. Yeah, yeah. I think we fall slightly to the storytelling side of that yes. line. Uh, we'll probably fairly fairly far across that line actually but um yeah i think a dm quite often can lead a group in this way as well yeah yeah they're in charge of what where the focus is but not always i but, mean a good dm reacts to the players as well but you, you also you know you don't want to be sitting there going right and they say this to you and you have a, a group that wants to say i will try and persuade them by rolling my persuade skill yeah so yeah you, this is and this is what we mean you you, you don't want Car- uh, players from opposite ends of the spectrum in the same group because it can well, they, cause... they're going to get frustrated yes and... they can they can muddle along but they need to be aware of each other's sort of proclivities yeah um, I mean having the, the group that we've got um, there are there are players that will approach this slightly differently mm-hmm. um, and you try and take that into account but talking to your, your DM about what kind of the play style is will also give you an idea yes. of possibly where to focus yeah. a group that's all about the combat probably playing something like Pathfinder or Dungeons and Dragons that's very mechanics based especially very, your 4th like, edition D&D oh if they're playing 4th edition D&D yeah Maybe just run away anyway. No, don't. <laughs> <laughs> but you might want to introduce them to an MMO instead because that's essentially what they want. It, yeah. It's tricky, actually, because I think we could... Fourth edition Dungeons & Dragons, D&D, mm-hmm. uh, was very much maligned because it was trying to copy sort of World of Warcraft yeah. and those kinds of things with the refreshing powers. Yeah. Um, even the healer had a bit of magic and could heal themselves, which... Mm generally isn't the way that those games have worked for 30 years before 40 years before pretty much and it was kind of frowned upon but I think we could have fun because we're playing a game with our friends 
Yeah, and, yeah. and that rules. is the thing to remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, do we do we talk a bit about systems for the spectrum? Like like we said, D and D fourth edition is probably your or furthest you're going to get towards the. I like to hit things. Yeah, I mean, side. I can't recall if it even has any skills or things for talking outside. I think a lot of them were anything. taken out. Yeah, um, it was really streamlined and mm. it, you didn't do a lot. There were no sort of skills and abilities but for outside. But at the same point, maybe that was to avoid the, oh, I'm going to persuade them, I'll roll a dice. Maybe that take those out. It's like, well, you're going to talk to that person to do that instead. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. that was thinking about maybe. maybe. It might have just become a charisma check on one of those statistics. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if we wanted to look at the other end of the spectrum for uh, stuff like that, um, the, the more roleplay focused what would we be looking at um, World of Darkness yeah that really heavily masks you yeah. to invest in being a character you you could look more at possibly say the indie RPG market something like Fiasco yeah that I don't yeah. think you've played Joe uh, it didn't appeal yeah um, but we've played haven't yeah, we yeah I love Fiasco um, we back in episode 14 um, you can hear me, Aaron, and Colin playing through a full game of Fiasco over mm. to to a double episode yeah. set in the Wild West. There were no rules for resolving conflict apart from whether you had a good result or a bad result out of the entire scene that you were playing. So there is no rolling to hit or hit points or anything like that. It's very, very story-focused. And yeah. that's very much, to me, that's probably the most extreme end of story yeah. that yeah, I've played. Yeah, yeah. Um, if, if you're looking for your more mainstream things, you've got, like Aaron said, any of the World of Darkness settings mm. and possibly Call of Cthulhu. Call of Cthulhu, yes. If you're getting into combat, it's got some, some chunky combat rules, but generally if you get into combat with an elder thing from the space beyond the stars, which, which is where the abyss dwells... Um, it's probably just going to eat your face. Yeah. So you you are. It's more. It's got lots of mechanics from running away. <laughs> yeah. The most running away mechanics ever. Yeah. I mean the the chase bit in that rule. Yeah. And um, we've just recorded our unboxing of Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. And there's a whole chapter on chases uh, <laughs> because yeah, you will often go. It's it's a it's a star vampire, but I'm going home very quickly <laughs> while screaming my mother's maiden name. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, there there is just just as a again for people if this is for people that are very new, I think that might yeah, push I'm, you towards. Yeah, probably. I'm hoping that anyone coming to this who's who's a role player will get something from this. Yeah, yeah. Um, because between us, I've been playing tabletop RPGs for 15 years. Yeah. Oh no, I my first when I was 14, 17 years. There we go. I'm probably looking at. 10 oh god no when was I playing at your when I was at college yeah because I'd wake up in the morning do your washing up and then go to college <laughs> yeah that was at least 11 yeah. years ago getting on for 12 now yep so 11 12 for me Three, maybe how long have you years? had friends Aaron <laughs> <laughs> six months <laughs> who are they where are they we need to kill them we upgraded him recently from acquaintance so he actually is Aaron 2.0 Yes. Yes. Do you remember when in a podcast you were your own clone? Yes, I do. And I shat batteries. Yeah. Yeah, that was weird. I yeah. miss Fiasco specials. is a weird game. That wasn't um, a fiasco, that was just us. <laughs> that was just us. Yeah. Dicking about, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm try I'm struggling to think when you joined. It's at least two and a half years ago, yeah. maybe. So it's leaning on the three mark, I think. Yeah, coming up for three years. So um, pre that, pre uni, because you were yeah. part of the group before we. Bullied That's you with peer pressure into going to at least two and a half. 
Yeah, three, 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 three. Yeah. I reckon. Excellent. I think we're coming up for three because it was round about this time up for three. Yeah, we're sure some kind of anniversary event where Aaron buys us cake. So it's worth discussing with your DM both the group style, yeah, and the specifics of the game that you are you are playing. Mm. Yeah. Um, and this is this is how roleplay differs maybe from playing a board game or a video game. It is a cooperative shared experience. And although it might seem like you're playing against the DM, actually, the DM is just presenting you with challenges and with story for you to interact in. Um, and it's not a case of being competitive in that in that way. You might play a competitive character who's competitive with the other characters or the yeah. world around them, um, but everyone's cooperating to tell a story together. Yeah. Or to smash through a dungeon together and get the loot at the end. Yeah, um, again, a kind of mainstream example of that might be um, if you look to, say, the Lord of the Rings films, which everyone associates with this kind of thing, you have Hmm. Gimli and Legolas that are going, I killed one, I killed seven, that only counts as one even though it's giant. You know, that kind of joking competition within it. Yeah. Yeah. Or even their initial uh, dwarf, uh, elf. Yeah. Again, you might have within your group but within the players, but you shouldn't be... Actively thinking, I could well, this person. I could fuck Aaron up. Yeah, it, you should be trying to do what your if your character yeah. is a bit like that. Fine, but might not last long. Yeah, yeah, and quite often a group will have ways and means of dealing with interplayer conflict. Yes, um, we talked about that quite a bit in the uh, in episode thirteen. Yeah, um, and there's some great anecdotes that I won't take us back through. Um, I might think of a couple more. <laughs> um, but we've we've always had you know it's the characters that are in conflict the players shouldn't be yeah. yeah and if anything is actually upsetting people or going too far or people feel like people are stopping them from playing their mm. character or anything like that you just break out into real life discussion and just sort it out there shouldn't be any kind of element of real life co- competition in yeah, that yeah. way no I mean we, we've had some amazing moments of Kind of, it, you know, I, I, like I, I'm fairly certain. I think it's either Rob or yourself, Brian, has, has done something, and I've gone right to hand on head out of character moment. Fuck you! Or oh, like in character, going fuck you, and then out of character, going that that was fucking brilliant. I loved yeah. that, yeah. but I want you to die um, because yeah. yeah, you can understand. It's get it separating the character's personality from your own yeah. as well sometimes. Yeah, yeah but when we played one game, it was a, a one-shot game. Um, so it was um, it was over three weeks, but it didn't continue on after that. Yeah. So you got your sort of your your one shots or your single adventures, and then your campaign, which is a link series of stories. Yeah. It's the difference between playing an episode of a TV show or play or playing like a box set. Yeah, well, more more of a film or a or a series. Yes, yeah. So um, we were playing that, so we knew that that was how it was it, how it worked. We got all the way through. We were fighting off essentially the harbingers of the apocalypse, um, who had managed to intrude upon our domain because deep beneath the barracks where we had um, our people had lived for hundreds of years um, was an angel in a machine who was holding off the apocalypse that had destroyed everything else. Um, I was playing the leader of the the, the group. Yeah. Um, I was the centurion of the legion. Uh, I had already fed my my son, an NPC, a non-player character, uh, to the demon, so I could run away. Plus, he was a dick, and he wasn't really mine. 
<laughs> um, so it was fine. Um, but I, I deliberately played a character that would sacrifice anything in order to achieve the goals, including himself. Mm. Yeah. So we get to the final bit. There are the demons catch up with us. There's this huge fight going on in front of the doorway to this machine. And we're not going to win. It became fairly obvious that we were massively outclassed. We'd played quite badly and sort of yeah. got injured. One of the players had gone mad and stabbed everyone else, and we had to murder them. It wasn't Colin by any chance, was it? No. Oh, Colin okay. was running this game, which is why it's messed up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so my character, who was a bard um, in 3.5 edition Dungeons & Dragons, so was essentially a lettuce leaf with a hat, because <laughs> they weren't very good. Um, managed to charm and inveigle and sing his way across to the entrance of the doorway. He went through, shut the door behind him, climbed in the machine, which left all the other players to die, but achieved his mission of sealing the place back up. Yeah. So I killed everyone else. (laughs) Wouldn't have done that in a campaign. Yeah. Because it would then have ruined the campaign. Um, But as at the end of a one-shot... Yeah, it makes sense. And everyone was like, you dick, but we won! Yes! But no, <laughs> but screw you, but yes! And it was quite it was quite a nice little a nice little moment to yeah. sort of survive well, to to complete the mission yeah. in that way. Um something you've mentioned there, which is quite an interesting thing as well to bring up, is this idea of I don't know it's a word I use all of the time. Metagaming. Yes. Um and what this is something that you will probably hear during your adventures within the role-playing worlds. Um, uh, Brian, Brian, you, you're making a decision based on outside knowledge, so it's not something your character knows. Yeah, that's meta-gaming, so, so meta beyond, beyond the actual game of what yeah, the character knows. So Brian there saying that if I was doing a campaign, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah, yeah. He's, at that point he is metagaming because he's making a decision because he knows this carries on not because it's necessarily the best thing for his character now that's not always a bad thing Yeah, Um, like in that scenario in that that scenario yeah that's fine because you have to weigh up the fact that my character might have done this differently but I don't want to ruin everyone's fun yeah Yeah, it's not fun to play with a character that is not flexible to the point of causing conflict Yeah. obviously we want to play a character and we don't want to have to compromise that character all the time um, but at the same time, you don't want to ruin the fun of everyone around the table. Um, it's why we had for quite a while when we used to play Dungeons and Dragons, we had a paladin ban because was... paladins have an incredibly unflexible set of rules by which they live, and they're not allowed to associate with nasty people, and therefore it they end up telling the rest of the party what to do. The rest yeah. of the group, the party of players. Okay. I was I was just about to mention if we we're going to go into specifics. Um, yeah. Paladins, I think, are the prime example. They are again for those that aren't aware, they are your holy righteous warriors. Um, they are on the scale of alignments. So how your the morality of your character plays out, I guess. Yeah. They are what's in um, the the lawful good end. Yeah. You have you have two axes. You have lawful, neutral, and chaotic, and you have good, 
evil, uh, good, neutral, and evil. Yeah. <clears throat> and you will fit somewhere within there. So, yeah, so nine possible options. Yeah. yeah. So your lawful good characters are no, you must follow the law and you mustn't do bad things. And yeah, when you're playing a character, like if you've got a rogue in the party that's your sneaky, might steal things person, yeah. you, you don't want a character sitting there going, don't steal, it's mad. <laughs> yes, it's, you sound like an 80s cartoon yeah. right at the end. <laughs> what did we learn today, naughty thief? I but if I take things, you hit me with your sword. You know, and, and it's yeah. stuff like that can, can be really restrictive. Any yeah. kind of alignment systems can be really restrictive. Yes. Mm. Um, I was going to say, anyth- anything playing lawful yeah. can be restrictive. Yeah. Um... Chaotic, less so, but because but can what? cause trouble if people think I'm just going to do. I'm going to give the king a wedgie because I'm chaotic. Oh, now we've been banished from the kingdom, and Jeff's dead when we fought the guards. <laughs> yeah, a, a lot. Of, <laughs> this is it. Alignment systems can very much push you into actions that you think you should do because mm. you've not necessarily grasped the full concept. Yeah, and you can so you can play lawful characters, for example. Yeah, that give no shits about the law of the land. They hold to their own code. Yes. Yeah. Um, you might have a monk that is lawful yeah. that doesn't care whether or not they steal but does care whether or not they're who they're stealing from yes yeah. see I don't find that alignment systems although people do create characters using that and there are things I don't think alignment systems tend to encourage that too much because they're putting you in a box yep. so you're naturally going to lean towards a particular mm. archetype rather than going like you said a monk's going to go uh, that monk's going to feel I can't steal from that person because they're poor but that rich guy well, I don't really matter yeah, he, yeah. he should be given to people I anyway. think they're a nice way possibly of just getting the idea of having some boundaries and restrictions on what your characters can and can't do yeah. but they're, they're not the be all and end all no it yeah, was definitely. it was very nice to have as a, when I started doing this kind of thing yeah. to go I'm. Uh, there's part of me that just always went. Just I'll just play neutral, neutral, um, or true neutral. <laughs> this is the were. thing as well. I mean, in, in Dungeons and Dragons, we're kind of going off on a tangent, but it's meant to be that like eighty percent of people are true neutral because yeah. they're they're good to their friends and family, but they they don't the people they don't like they don't they don't want anything to do with yeah. and wouldn't go out their way to help them and. They follow the laws of the land, but if they can find a, a way through or they find them unjust, they might rail against them. So most oh, people loop. should fit in the middle. Yes. But it's very rare to see a true neutral character, actually. Yeah, um, unless you're th- a druid. I think because it casts you adrift <laughs> slightly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like, I, I I like think, neutral evil druids. I think you get to a point <laughs> Pred- with, with these druids. games if you, you like... They push you towards extremes especially in a Dungeons and Dragons setting which is quite a you are playing a above average amazing hero yeah, yeah. so yeah. you you like to be able to go no I will play the the absolute knob that I can't be in real life <laughs> I'll play a really good character because I'm a bit of a dick and yeah. I can't well, hate people yeah. when your character's you know. wielding two magic swords at the same time and firing lightning bolts out there at us you're playing quite a heightened version of reality so playing an archetype a heightened character yeah can actually fit with. I mean, D and D has its its origins in pulp stories and things yeah. where archetypes and strong characters, knowing exactly what a character would do because they're the maiden in distress or they're the um, the rough hero or whatever. It, yeah. You know, you nail that on fairly quickly, and yeah. they don't necessarily vary too much. But yeah, we've kind of moved beyond the alignment system now, and. 
if we were to go back and play that kind of thing, I think we'd take that crutch away. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was like I said, it was nice as a starting player. Yeah, um, actually, yeah, I can see that. Because it gives you that bit of direction. I think as you progress and as you gain more experience <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. in role playing, you like say, yeah, you don't feel you need to pigeonhole yourself quite so much when you yeah. build a character because you see the world is full of shades of grey. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that being able to um, portray that within your characters that you build actually yeah. becomes almost a more daft as it sounds to say realistic and engaging yeah. thing yeah. you feel like you play a more nuanced character and it helps you get more engaged with it yeah um, yeah yeah. you don't want that paladin casting detect evil seeing that that shopkeeper over there is evil running in his store murdering and saying in the name of the holy lord praise be yeah covered in blood <laughs> Streaming children running. Are you really lawful good if you've just run in and done that? Of course you. But sometimes it, yeah, it does that. Yeah. I, I like to take that sort of that crutch away yeah. now that we're we're experienced. One thing I did do quite a lot when I was running and we were using alignment is I'd get the group when they were building their characters to pick a party alignment. Mm-hmm. So for instance, they'd be neutral good, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then any everyone could be within one step of that. So they could be neutral good, lawful good chaotic good or true neutral yeah you wouldn't have anyone that was chaotic evil palling around with them because they they're clash. too far yeah, and it okay. just reduces some of maybe that conflict that yeah that but, I mean up. it's a really nice a nice way of, and I would suggest that to anyone that's looking at starting a campaign with newer people it's a really good way of doing it yeah um, because again having played under that system yeah um, I, I know that that law and chaos clash less than good and evil yes because yeah. they tend to come up less you're, you're playing adventurers so you're generally out in the wilderness without many laws yeah, yeah or you're down you're down the mine 14 levels fighting a troglodyte it doesn't matter whether you believe that the king is r- always right but it does if you capture a prisoner it does matter whether you're going to let him go or torture him to death. Yeah, for instance, <laughs> as, as an extreme. Yeah, I mean another another nice point on that as well is the reason that the law and chaos don't often. Do, it's because if you, like I said, if you're taking that slightly more abstract view of it, and you are looking at things like uh, a personal code more than the law of the land for your yeah. lawful character, having someone else that doesn't give a shit about the laws, actually, yeah. you might not either. You just might stick to your own personal ones. Yeah. So there is much less potential for them to clash because good and evil are, as much as they're not, they are kind of set concepts within ourselves. Yeah. 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 Especially morality is society based, but we are all in the same society, yeah. so our morality is fairly similar. <coughs> we know this, you know, murdering a child is evil. Yeah. Saving the children is good. Yeah. And there, there might be. But- but where does law and chaos come into that? It's it's different. Well, isn't it? yeah, yeah, this is it, and they're they're a little bit more fuzzy around the edges. Yeah, they're more sort of philosophical ideas rather than mor- In, moral ideas. So, that, yeah, yeah. I mean, morality is a branch of philosophy anyway, but it it's is, it's but a one that's codified by laws, for instance. Yeah. Well, it, and and again, it, it takes um, our, our morality is is generated from the society you are within because yeah. we're all in the same one. Um, and that's a global thing now. Yeah, theoretically. To, to, the, to a point where you could... Most people in most societies will, will take a 
the same stance on what is good and what is evil and a yeah. general overall sense. And if you're playing a game like D and D, you're definitely talking about everybody in that world is going to follow that same yeah. rule set, no matter where they're from. Yeah, I, I mean, you might have different cultures yeah. within it, but, but yeah, it's it's because not so you far could, from us. You, you know, if you're yeah. you're evil, you've got the same demonic god as somebody at the other side but, of the world. Or yeah, or and the other the other weird thing is, evil characters within the game identify themselves as evil. Yeah. Yes. Now, you, whereas you look Hitler at, wouldn't have identified himself as evil. He would have thought people, he was good. Yeah, but most people would have clearly pointed at him as being evil. But within the, within the Dungeons and Dragons universe, they are quite happily going. No, I am. I am. I'm Lord of the Evil. I am all of the evil. <laughs> yeah. Worship me and my evilness. Yes, I am the dark black Lord of the Abyss. Yeah, look at my spikes. I'm ca- um, yeah, I'm Captain Evil. <laughs> sniff my halberd. Yeah, so you you don't have that problem of people thinking they're one way, but actually they're yeah. the other, and and it's it's much more black and white. Yeah, yeah. literally, even yeah. evil. Yeah, those um, weird great people. What we've actually touched on because I was going to try to impose some kind of order to this chaos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've swapped. Um, is what we're talking about here is is just I mean that's a long digression that's mostly Dungeons and Dragons based Um, that's part of the rules of the game and I found when I was sort of sat down to think about this and we were discussing this as an idea Mm. um, mostly because we've had a couple we've had new players joining us recently and it's kind of something that's been on my mind yeah um, with sort of helping them there's to me there's three aspects of, of building your character mm-hmm. there's the rules and how they mechanically interact with the game and its systems yeah there is the character's background so the experiences that have shaped that character yep. yeah and then there is the personality of that particular character how you play them at the tabletop how they react to the situations in front of them yeah so it's you've almost got and what happened what's driving them forward and then, like you say, the way, how the way that's... Are. Well, it's almost mm. the way that that's done in-game. Because you'd say how they are is probably li- very much linked to what's driving them forward. Yeah. That's what's yeah. pushing the character into what it is now and the decisions it's making now. Yeah. Because it's yeah. probably going to have a... Yeah, what's happened, it's end goal, almost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just and then you have the mechanics that make it work in the world. Yeah. yeah. Or in the system, I suppose. Yeah. And there's no right or wrong one to come at first... You no. might go, and again, if you're playing something that's very mechanical, if you're playing, let, let's play your, say you're playing Dungeons and Dragons for yeah. the sake of, sake of argument or Pathfinder, which is the same thing. Weirdly enough, I mean, because we, yeah. we we are taking that as almost the baseline, because yeah, it kind, it's kind of, of is. It's kind of our baseline, and it's also the it's the most popular role play if in it's the world. The industry Pathfinder standard. and Dungeons and Dragons are. If kind I of want standard. someone to understand what I'm doing, if I yeah. go, oh, I'm playing role play games with my friends, if they're slightly geeky that's what I would say because they will go oh okay if they're not at all I will say I'm playing Dungeons and Dragons because it is now whether it's just through exposure via pop culture things like Big Bang Theory or whatever it has become the iconic yeah. Thing. This yeah. is the thing. Yeah, I mean, it was in Stranger Things recently. Yes. Um, yes. For um, and um, there was a TV show. They were having its own cartoon. Yes. yes. You know, so it, it is the the version. with Uni the unicorn. <laughs> I never God, watched it. Which, which, which is where my fetish came from. <laughs> yeah, the unicorn the was crap. <laughs> It's a Yaunicown. <laughs> I don't think I've ever watched a full episode of that, you know? Um, no, I never could. Even as a child. <laughs> I watched loads of it 
genuinely. Uh, but there are lots of other, other games, as we've mentioned, and we'll, we'll, we'll draw from... We have played quite a wide variety of games now, yeah, so yeah. We'll, we'll draw yeah. from different, different places as well. But that's something... The rules are very much focused around that in Dungeons and Dragons. It's something you have to consider if you're just playing the game straight out of the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's something to, to consider. Um, what everyone else is playing is something that you might want to consider. So, for instance, if you're joining a, a Dungeons and Dragons group, if they don't have someone who can heal everyone... Then they're never going to get anywhere. Yeah, so so play that character, fill a niche that fits yeah. the game. Well, you, you, you have your... Um, you almost have that kind of... Um, I would I would say the ho- the, the Holy Trinity as a thing that's done in Memorpagas. Yeah. Yeah. MMO are most massively multiplayer online role playing games yeah. because you have you have your tank that stands there and takes damage. Yeah. You have your healer and you have your damage dealers. Yeah. yeah. Now I would argue that role playing games are the fourth one, which is kind of your skills and I was going to say I was going to say specialist yeah. in a way because in typical D&D you have a fighter yeah you have a wizard yeah the fighter doesn't doesn't generally deal all the damage the fighter is strong and tough and holds jumps in front up. of the line of goblins yeah. the wizard casts fireballs to kill the goblins yeah. yeah the healer heals the damage the goblins have done to the fighter yeah and then you have a rogue that goes possibly sneaks ahead and disables all the traps laid by the goblins and unlocks the little goblin doors. Yes, and occasionally appears behind the goblin's boss and stabs him in the bum because he's snuck up behind him. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you get this in other games. I mean, I remember playing a game of Cyberpunk. Yep. And in that game, we had... Again, you get this quite a lot in class-based systems. Mm. Some games will let you make anything, like Call, Call of Cthulhu. It say. points you towards archetypes yeah. but you can literally pick any mix of skills that you like yeah. um, playing cyberpunk though we had um, we had a, a samurai we had a hacker yeah. we had a sniper and we had the face man now if someone was to join that group and go ha ha I would like to be the one that leads all the talking and talks to everyone the, the character playing the face man is going to go oh, that's kind of my job Yeah. whereas if someone comes in and goes I want to be your getaway driver and I want to really shine when we do that. And I can get involved in all the other stuff, but we need to get away and I'm going to do all that kind of stuff and mm. I'll be the thrill seeker of the group. Yeah, that becomes that character's mo- your moment yeah. in spotlight. Yeah, everyone wants a moment to shine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and some roles let you shine more, more obviously. The fighter beheading the, the thing. Or the, the, the mage destroying the entire flank of the goblin yeah. army. Even when the healer turns back the tide of undead with their magical powers yeah. or the rogue... Sneaks ahead, steals the thing you want, and goes. The dragon's still asleep. Let's leg it. Or, and they've or done fi- something finds cool. that hidden door that has a cache of treasure in there yeah. or something. Or rectally abuses the goblin boss. It's the rogues are quite, quite. <laughs> Spotlights. They are You're laughing at your own joke there. <laughs> but um, if you sneeze at one vigorously, it falls over and dies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not enough white blood cells in the rogues of the world. No, no, they are. Like, it's all the hiding in the yeah. shadows. <laughs> and again, something like Call of Cthulhu. You, if you're joining an existing game, then find out what's at the table already, and yeah. maybe find a slot to fill that will make the other players embrace you and like you. Um, if you're creating something to start with so if you're starting from scratch discuss with the other players I'm thinking of playing this I'm thinking of playing that we did this recently when we started our Mutant Gen Lab Alpha campaign that we reviewed in depth 
last podcast. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the worst thing that could happen is if... We'll use Jenna as an example this time. Yeah. So you can go listen to that if you want to understand the words I'm using. Um, if we turn up and go, right, we have four scavengers. Yeah. Like, Each well, of us uh, have our own little stash of crap. Yeah. Um, it's not really going to make fair... You're not going to be able to defend yourself very well or... Find where the other ones have run off to. Or, 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 yeah, don't yeah. get me wrong. If you need to find a thing to get through a thing, one of you's probably fucking got one. Yeah. <laughs> but like you say, you don't have a hunter. So if one yeah. of you runs off or gets lost, what what are you gonna do? You, yeah. you get into a fight and you all hide behind your shopping trolleys full of rubbish. You yeah. Know, it's where do, they, where do they get shopping trolleys in Paradise Valley? Tesco. Is there a Tesco's? Is that the Forbidden Zone? Is it? Is it uh, in Paradise Valley? It's probably Waitrose. I, well, <laughs> I look at Paradise Valley as being centre parks. To be honest, there's there's a little supermarket in there at one point, and it's probably I, a bowling alley. We haven't found. I, I just think I think the Forbidden Zone is Tesco's. Yeah, the lab the, the labyrinth that we hear about is is an underground facility. It's an underground facility. <laughs> it's an underground Tesco's twenty four hours. <laughs> made of people <laughs> oh I was going to be a horse I was going to be everything though you were I almost asked uh, RDM if I could be a unicorn <laughs> even if I was just, just a horse wearing with, a toilet roll yeah, yeah a horse so with an ice cream cone stuck to its face for anyone that is looking to DM for the first time you will put up with players like Brian yeah who are, make your life awkward I do I do very very much but hopefully I, that makes it fun um, so yeah it, it, you don't want to be playing exactly the same character if you think and this is another place we get inspiration if you think of TV books films anything with characters in mm. characters tend to have a niche yeah you take something like Firefly each of those characters in there has a job that they do yeah yeah, I mean they, and again they have a different background, a different personality, mm-hmm. but they have a job that they do. Well, so there's, yeah, well. and the, there's overlap. I mean, um, Jane isn't the only one who can kill people with guns, but no. he's the best at it because yeah. Yeah. he's the soldier archetype. You, yeah. you have uh, Kaylee, for example, who is your engineer class archetype. Whatever. Yeah, your, she would probably be your specialist. Yeah. yeah, in that regard, you have people like Mal himself yeah who again would be your talkative charismatic rogue type yeah yeah guy with a couple skill advances or levels put into something fighty because he was in a war and yeah he could do that stuff quite well as well yeah um so without yeah. doing the whole cast that gives you a yeah. rough idea of how yeah. these things yeah play out so, so in, yeah. in gen lab alpha i played a healer I'm also quite good at fighting, but that's always a bonus because we expect a lot of combat. You show up the fighter every single session. Sorry, Aaron, I've, I've right. broken my own rules. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> you, you get into the fights quicker than me. Yeah. And you're really hard, and so do lots of damage. Like, I'll come in and go, boop, poke with a little stick, and they die. It's but like, you're going to advance beyond that because I'm relying on yeah. dangerous... Well. Um, animal powers yeah. that could backfire and we've come across a kind of singular enemy so far whereas my character's built to take on multiple because I've taken essentially the fighter archetype yeah. Yeah. so whereas you've taken basically the paladin just a little bit yeah, yeah. fighty and healy yeah. yeah but and I do have a quite a moral code actually yeah yeah but not in a uh, dead way hopefully paladin wanker <laughs> <laughs> we used to call people paladin wankers I've forgotten about that um, yeah uh, Joe's playing essentially our our, our bard 
A little bit, yeah, because he can make us better at what we do. He's playing a seer that can predict the future and use that yeah. to give us bonuses. But you're also very good at the the social aspects of the game. Yes. You can dominate the other animals. You have a high rank, so other animals look up to you. So you're playing sort of that kind of character. Yeah, I... Um, Which is not normally what you do. No, no, I, I wanted to play something a bit different. And I looked at this as a chance to play... I normally will play something that has useful skills, but I like to build in a decent amount of combat yeah, ability yeah. into my characters. In this one, I am refusing to put any ranks into fight or shoot or edit or those kind of skills because that's not going to be the character. He's yeah. not gonna. If I wanted to take that, I would have taken loads of fight and yeah. predator and just murdered the shit out of everything because yeah. it's really, yeah. really, really hard. Um, but I, I was trying to come up with sort of a gentle giant, so yeah. a character that is is more themed around doing the healing and supporting people, but. He's enormous, and if you mess with him, he will headbutt you and well, you will die. This yeah. is it. We found out that... Because, yeah, you, you basically went, I'm going to be the, the giant thing that everyone goes, oh, my God, it's huge, and then isn't that bad. Yeah, but, yeah, so but playing we found, on the expectation. Yeah, yeah. We, we have found out, though, that, yeah, you've... And I don't know whether this was planned or it's developed as you've played, but you, you do have this temper almost yes. whereas if you fuck with the little ones yeah you well, get the horns it started off because yeah I, I started off protective of Aaron's character yeah and then the rest of you have come along and I feel like because he's the biggest and he sees himself as being the strongest even though Aaron's character is actually probably better in a fight than him now yeah. he feels like he has to look after the yeah. other people yeah. and that's become a strong part of his personality that I wasn't actually planning Mm. But it, it has developed as we've got along, and that's something that we'll talk about as we go. Yeah, as we go through. developing your characters. Yeah. Um, one one good. Oh, sorry. No, I was going to say. I was actually just going to say, where are we? Have we, have we got a next next topic? Um, yeah, just finishing on the the rules. One thing you can do as well is use the rules, the abilities, the feats that your character's got to inform other aspects of the character, either the background, the personality. So, if you take a character with, say, an ability called improved initiative, mm -hmm. which means they're really quick to react, you could play your character as being quite jumpy. Yeah, as being someone who's always ready to go because. It's part of them. Well, this is. They might be quite twitchy. They might just be that little bit more aware and be quite quick-witted. Yeah. As well, um, you might be playing a character that you have taken. You've started beyond level one, so you've got quite a hard character anyway. Again, looking back to D and D, that's got all the repost flourish type um, faint skills because yeah. you are an amazing duelist. You go up to someone in a fight and go, stab you in the eye, I win. Yeah. yeah. And now you could choose to play that as someone that is very... Sort of barbed, tongued as well, maybe. Possibly. They might be very, very ex extravagant and, well, I'm the best, look at me, look at how flashy I am. <laughs> yeah. Stab. Yeah. Or they might be someone that, that just doesn't stand out in a crowd. Yeah. People under uh, underestimate, yes, and then yeah. gets the better of them that way. Now, so you you can take your rules in lots of different, different directions. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you can let your character influence the way you build them rules wise, or yeah. you can go. I want to play a character that can do this because I think it's an awesome idea. Yeah. 
Now, is that going to make them... Again, I want to be someone who's very good at sword fights. Is that going to make them really flashy? Yeah. Is it going to make them overconfident? Is it yeah. going to make them kind of just part of the part of the crowd that no one notices that then goes, yeah. ha-ha, stab? Yeah. And if you've got something unusual, so if you, your character uses an unusual weapon, yeah. they have an unusual ability, they have a strange cybernetic implant, they have a could, horn on their head when they're supposed to be, supposed to be a horse. Yes, <laughs> um, you can feed that into what we're going to talk about next, which is the character background. So, yep. where did they get that ability? Yeah, how I, I was born with the horn. <laughs> <laughs> but what did that horn do to that character as they were growing up, being the only weird horse with a horn? Killed my mother. <laughs> born with <laughs> Jesus. But you can use that to inform your your background or. You can use your background to inform your choice of abilities. This is where I think a lot of people sort of struggle is that you just get lots of options. Yeah. And it's like, you know, just start picking your way picking your way through. Well, yeah, I mean, um, as, I mean we'll go on and discuss obviously all the different aspects, but my, like what I do, because I sometimes struggle. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the first thing I pick is a thing I like. Yeah. So if I go, hmm, I have a character, my mutant character, Kane. Yeah, was stolen straight out of a bunch of books. Yeah, yeah, that's that's um, fine, and that was one thing I was going to come on to. We'll talk about it now, though, because I think it's a good time. Yeah, to, uh, to do I, it. I I can't remember the name of the books because um, it might be that you look. We started with rules, but you might just be struggling for well, what the what do I do? Yeah, yeah, to make so, the rules. So I went okay. So he's a fairly confident character who's quite good in a fight, mm. um, but he's also quite clever. Yeah. Uh, but would do anything to get the job done. So I went, cool, my stats in um, Mutant are strength, agility, wits, and the other one... Empathy. Empathy. So I went, bollocks to empathy, that can be low. Yep. Wits will be fairly high, dex will be fairly high, and strength will be really high, because he's good in a fight. Yeah. Cool. Now, I want him to be good at hand-to-hand fighting, so I'll take the stuff that makes him quite good yeah. at hand-to-hand, because I was quite good at punching people. Yeah. Um, yes. And then, to be fair... I then yeah progressed mm. from that point. Have you used any ideas from elsewhere? Or have you sort of used picked someone as a an example of a, someone you wanted to be? Almost yeah. a, almost a template, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's absolutely fine yeah. to take something. <laughs> we won't judge you, Aaron. <laughs> no, some, some some people are like, well, you've not made something new, but the newness necessary. If you just copy something, mm. people could be a bit like, or it, it can feel a bit sort of bland. But yeah, yeah. If you like, if you you could say, right, I want to play Daredevil, mm. but I'm playing him in a fantasy setting. Immediately, he's different to Daredevil. Yeah. And you you take it off in a different direction. Yeah, you don't. Yeah. he's not a lawyer anymore. If you were so playing, what other aspect might he have done? Well, yeah. he might have defended serfs from marauders or something. Yeah, in that case. And you then know. that that's, that changes it, doesn't it? If yeah. you were just to, if you were to play a modern day superhero RPG and go, I want to play Daredevil, then that, that might be maybe a bit boring. Watch Daredevil. Yeah. And, but if you play Daredevil cross with the Hulk. Yeah. So it's Daredevil, but, but if you piss him off, he goes mad. Okay, that's something new. Yeah. But we again, we're talking our group. You might be in a group that, that all go, that, yeah. I want to play uh, Daredevil. Cool, well, I'm going to play Thor. Okay, well, I'm going to play this. Yeah, yeah. It, it, again, it's whatever works for your yeah. group. Especially if you're playing something like the Firefly RPG yep. or the, the Dresden Files RPG. If people are happy with that, the problem I found with it is that when someone goes, well, I want to play, I want to play Kaylee. 
and then they do something and someone goes well Kaylee wouldn't have done that yeah mm-hmm. and then it's why it's better to try and put some distance or a twist or something slightly different what also works is if you think you're in a group that might go oh you've copied that straight out of this if you've read books other people haven't like, <laughs> like the books I stole came from which are uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I thought it'd be nice to plug some books now. Yeah, no, no, they're they're really good books. Um, give give me a second. Yeah, I'll cool. the name. Yeah, because they're some of the best books yeah. I've read ever, and I think both of you would enjoy them. Yeah. Well, that's essentially. I've done it for this uh, for the Gen Lab Alpha. Okay, cool. A little bit. See, I didn't know this. Yeah, that's see. interesting. I was. I had no ideas essentially mm. was a little bit so I was leaning on a bit of a crush, uh, crutch I actually found Gen Lab Alpha really difficult because I backed it in a frenzy of I Love Mutant then I looked at it and I was a bit like ooh this is how a does my ba- yeah, how does my background work I don't understand how my fit clan works quite yet but I'm absolutely loving it now yeah and to give uh, Rob credit where it's due he's allowed certain things I've discussed of things to kind of shape stuff and yeah that's yeah. worked back and forth but I try to base my character a little bit on Usagi Ojimbo Okay. Who is a samurai hair, which is very similar to what I've done now, but yeah, personality cool. trait. And uh, Rosanori Kenshin, or the swirly eyed samurai yeah. um, from TV, both Samurai X and the TV series that's coming up. Yeah. That's hopefully the angle I'm going to develop my character into. Yeah. It's. I think I've relied a little bit too much of a crutch. I don't feel like I've given it enough of a personality yet. But you can develop that as you play, and that's yes. something we'll talk about as well, is how characters hopefully will change as you play. That has definitely been part of this one. Yeah, which is, which is good. I don't tend to do this, uh, just because thinking about it. I... Can't Ooh, look at no, you your creativity. Yeah, no, no. That's the thing. It's <laughs> bloody writers. Some some people, yeah. yeah. Some people are like, oh, this is. What tends to happen is I come up with what I think is an original idea, mm. and then about six months later, when I've been playing them for a while, I'll realise the three different things that got mixed up in my head that I'd forgotten about, yeah. which is what I'm drawing on. <laughs> yeah, but because that's how creativity works for me. It's like my mind is a blender, yeah, and then it spits out something, and I go, this is really cool, and then I realise where I've stolen it from. Actually, while while we're talking about the personalities of your character as well, yeah, yeah. something that I think is very very important and yeah. you can get carried away with as a new player, and I've fallen into this trap a couple of times, yeah, is pick a character you can consistently be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you are a miserable shit, yeah. don't play the character that's always happy because yeah. there will be a week where you cannot summon the energy to be. Mr. Fucking Sunshine anymore. Yeah. And your entire character and the experience of everyone else sort of changes. Now, don't get me wrong, it's nice to play something a bit different. Yeah. Because not all of my characters are hyper competitive assholes like I am. (laughs) Um, Fair. (laughs) But, um,. Like, again, like as Brian said, my current lizard, Thelonious, isn't my standard character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, an example of my standard character would be the one of the 24-hour campaigns we did okay, yeah. for 24 hours solid for charity. Um, I played uh, half-wizard, half-cleric, master of the arcane and the divine dick yeah. who ended up stealing the treasure for himself to gain his own power and yeah. went, oh, the doors have shut. Well, I'll just stand here and drink all the potions of, of amazingness and then open the doors and carry on the fight. Yeah, you know, it, potions that were bottled souls that yeah. powered you up. Yeah, you didn't earn XP in that game because a lot of games you'll earn experience points yeah, to make yeah. your character better. In that one, you, you drank one of these potions and yes. you just got better. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah we, we, cool. we had a couple of them. Um, and and they, you they were stole the- them all. <laughs> 
the, everyone charged into the room. The doors shut, and I was outside. So I went, well, no one can see. I'll down these, and then yeah. Yeah. open the doors and be amazing. <laughs> yeah, and it was fun. Yeah, but I don't know if I totally agree with that though. Yeah. I think my favourite character I've played so far has been Blank. Just okay. Trying to remember the name because it was. Did you draw a blank? I did. <laughs> That's what reminded me. Yeah, funny enough. Yeah. Um, so there's a character called Blank. Called Blank. You yeah. Leaving a gap to <laughs> write in later. <laughs> can, I, can I play a Cards Against Humanity card to fill in the, <laughs> your character's name? Is David Bowie riding in on a unicorn made, made of, of lightning? lightning, or tiger made of lightning? I've got unicorns on those. You, on you do. Yeah, and the cows. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, Blank was one of my favourite characters. It's not normally what I go. I tend to go for a bit more the slightly solemn, quiet spoken, occasionally aggressive type because I tend to be very tired on a Friday night. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit easier, but. Um, so you normally fall into what I do? Yes. yes. Yeah. Or what I suggested at least. Um, however, Blank was a um, sociopathic female cannibal. Yeah. Um, she had a mutation that let her. Gained lots of abilities for eating people. Yes, yeah. for playing mutants. So it was able to consume people who was just excessively hyperactive a little bit. Yeah, she was quite in your face for, for one of your characters, very yeah. much so. Yeah. Like, maybe I, for I one of mine, Blank, maybe not. Didn't I? Yes, yeah. yeah. Blank, was, Blank was good. I found when I came to go play, play Blank in the evening, I found I had, so I had a bit more energy. Possibly because I was playing something that's less me. Mm. Yeah. Um, so it's like, okay, I need to hype up and stuff and yeah, things like that. Yeah, but if you had started with a character like that, would you have struggled to maintain it week in, week out? There is that possibility mm. because I could have been tired and so on. Yeah. But I might have been able to build, you could potentially build that into possibly. your character. It's, so the other thing is a confidence thing. Yes. Now, and, and this, this is the thing. Now, I'm quite happy to play whatever now. <sighs> yeah. But originally, I stuck to characters that I could happily portray yeah without too much effort because again it's a role playing's weird when it comes to a you're, you're playing with friends yeah which I don't know if that makes it better or worse because you're like oh my god I don't want to seem like a massive dickhead in front of the people yeah. I spend a lot of my time with I, I like I would know I would avoid playing an intelligent character again possibly because I'd be tired and I could be a bit dense occasionally because I know yes, potentially I'm not actually yeah <laughs> this is one thing perpetually confused <laughs> I wouldn't actually be able to necessarily portray that intelligence properly on the table so I'd just completely fucking avoid it yeah some some I have had occasionally people who weren't sort of confident speaking or particularly eloquent off the top of their heads yeah. trying to play the charming smooth talking character and that can be quite tricky if they're not that way inclined because that's a personal quality we can all yeah. pretend to be strong because that's a quality that's it's a in the game it's a physical, physical attribute yes. yeah. mental qualities can be quite sort of difficult to, yeah. to play but you can overcome that with a certain element of like, oh, yeah, I, I really want to try and charm these guys but I can't think of anything to say yeah. And a good DM will sort of help you through that. Yeah. And that maybe even build your confidence to try. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there, there's different. Again, it's down to sort of table approaches. Role play can vary greatly from group to group. And this, this is one of, the, again, the things as a DM you can use to help steer your group in the right direction. If you have someone that struggles with things like that, maybe, because most of them have it built in, have it be a skill check initially. I want to charm them to do this. Okay, cool. We'll roll your dice and see if you beat yeah. their skill levels. Yeah. And as you go on and as the character and they get more developed in the character, go, okay, well, rather than roll the dice, talk this one out. Yeah. What would you do? If you get stuck, we'll, and we'll, yeah. we'll just roll the dice and that's fine, but let's yeah. let's try and yeah. what I've, up it. And, I've yeah. done quite a lot as a, a dungeon master as well, is when someone's made the effort to try it, 
is if if even if they've not maybe said it in the best way, mm. if they've come up with a good idea or they said, well, I want to try and do this, 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 and this in this way, it, or they they actually have said something really eloquent, yeah. I'll give them a bonus to the dice roll. Yeah. Um, but I'll do that if someone if we've got a, a cinematic fight and someone grabs something that I mentioned in passing describing the room and uses that in a cool way I'll be rooting for them to succeed and I'll secretly make like it like easier for them leaping off the balcony onto the chandelier to swing over and land on the goblin leader's head and stab yeah. him in the arse which apparently is what happens yeah. now because Brian said it earlier yeah. Yeah. doesn't always suit every kind of game if you're playing a really serious gritty game doing that in Call of Cthulhu maybe not be like Okay. Which anus? Yeah, <laughs> the one at the front of the train. <laughs> As we discovered, looking at horror on the Orient Express. Yeah, it yeah. was horror, and it was on the Orient Express, yeah. and it was a giant anus on the front of it. Um, yeah. Um, so there's as we said these things all interact at the same yeah. time uh, which is why we're jumping around but when we when we talk about sort of characters' background, I've always found that their background is useless unless it impacts the game in, in any way. So unless oh, yeah. the background affects the personality or includes plot hooks that the DM or dungeon master person running the game can use in the game, there's no point. There's yeah. no point having writing a 25-page background for your character if you then ignore everything because it's in the past and you just play yourself yeah. at the table. There is nothing wrong with playing yourself, by the way. If you're very really? new to this, just go, if I lived in a medieval world what would I do? where I do there were elves and less dysentery, uh, <laughs> how would things go? And go with that that's fine I think I'd want to learn magic I'd probably be quite like <laughs> look at me I can cast spells peasants yeah. <laughs> um, oh I'd, I'd be like that yeah yeah me and you both yeah we'd either we'd either be ruling the world or a constant war yes <laughs> <laughs> so, I'd be dead upside down in a ditch by the, by the time I was 16 <laughs> so yeah I was an awkward child <laughs> yeah I mean that that works um, yeah an interesting Again, another system to kind of bring up and mention, I think, because we discussed this recently, is yeah. through the breach, the Malifaux role playing game. Yeah, yeah. Now that's that quite makes good. a huge deal out of your background. Yeah. You randomly generate. You missed this, didn't you? Yeah, I didn't miss it. You um, you randomly generate your background by flipping some cards. So it could be because the whole game is about fate. Yeah. Um, Malifaux in general has such strong ties to fate. Yeah, and you don't cheat cards, you cheat fate by putting a card yes. down. Um, you start, say you start with like a station. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah. So your par- it's what your parents did and what you were born into. Yes. But this will also give you the first part of your, basically your prophecy that's foretold as to yeah, what so your doom is. I'm yeah. just trying to think, my, my parents were <laughs> farmers, I believe. Yeah. Um, Rob's parents were spies, because Rob is always the spy. <laughs> yeah. um, and what's quite nice is that gives you how your station ends, so it foretells your death. Yeah. Um, 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 so everything's circular, which is quite a nice idea. Yeah. So, you know, it, it goes around and goes, oh, this happened, and then there was a potential tragedy, and so you've done this. and yeah. But you've got enough room to kind of flesh out the details of yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, and everything is random. This you, Well, you get to assign the stats where you like, Yeah. but your actual spread of stats is determined randomly. So you could be really bland and just have, like, plus one, plus one, Zero minus one, which is quite yeah. quite boring. Yeah. Or you could have minus three, zero zero plus three, and you're really polarized. Yeah, and that's all generated by when you generate your background. Okay, and yeah. it's it's a very interesting system. Now we were discussing it like from a character point of view. I quite enjoyed it because it did the difficult bit for me. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I then built around it. Yes, yeah. You yeah, take yeah. some of the options away, which is actually quite useful. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you want to have your, your background of your character affect the way your character is or how they are in the world. Yeah. So it might be that it gives them a certain view on life. It might be that it gives them a goal they want to accomplish. I know, Aaron, you've your background includes your, in GenLab, your younger brother being kidnapped by the bad guys. Well, that's built always built into but things, but the uh, yeah, so basically the entire rest of my line has been taken away at some yes. point, and has never returned. So yeah, it's like remaining evidence of the tribe, and probably makes your character feel like they're next. Yes, yeah. So yeah, which is why I'm constantly well, the washers are there. I don't want to be near, but I want to go away because it's frightens my character. Yeah, and they, that gives they you... don't want to show it, but they're frightened because yeah, like I said, the last yeah. Of, and every time you're fearful of the watchers, it makes Murakami want to look after you more. Yeah, in which case you um, get the protectiveness and the aggression starts to yeah, come out of Murakami. I mean, and yeah, Murakami's goal is to be free. Yeah. Because as a yak, he climbed the highest mountain in Paradise Valley and saw an even bigger one further away. And that's what he wants. He wants to go there. But he also has in his background, he has a yak companion and the two of them travel together. And I fully expect terrible things to happen to his yak companion. Yes. Because, yes, it's part of my background that I was travelling with this person, but they're my friend, they're an NPC that the DM can use to generate story and conflict and to keep things going. So it's something that affects the world. Putting things like that into your background, other people, like, I've got dead parents, yeah, okay, fine, but unless they're being reanimated, they're not going to be much thing. But if you've got a long-lost sibling that could turn up, or... uh, ex-lover or anything like that that can be thrown in yeah. to add a bit of oh my god I actually care yeah. about this situation yeah and the best thing I, I've i my favourite one of it's not my favourite role play moments one of my favourite role play moments and it was my favourite moment of just sort of something that I hadn't expected to happen and was it was very character focused as I said I like story mm. I yeah. like to tell a story with my friends that we can then go do you remember when you did that and that happened I don't tend to go do you remember when you rolled a 20 and then you rolled 46 dice because yeah. I probably got bored and went for a wee because you were counting um, <laughs> I like the story moments and um, our current DM was playing as one of my players in a cyberpunk game he was a bounty hunter yeah. he was um, sat um, looking through the scope of his rifle at one of the other PCs approaching an enemy, and th- they basically the other the other PC wanted to get the thing they were after and get out of the nightclub without anything going bad. Mm. He, the, our DM, was playing the muscle, hidden away on the opposite rooftop, watching what was going on. Now, in the character's background, he was divorced and undergoing a very, very, very nasty custody battle. Part of his character motivation, he wanted his kids back. Yeah. So a lot of the money he was getting was to pay his legal bills Mm. and to prove that he could look after his kids. So it was a nicely developed character from the character, from the player giving me this thing. So he'd been involved in this custody battle. What's the worst thing that can happen to him now just to put him off watching what's going on? So he gets a phone call from his ex-wife now this being a cyberpunk campaign he can patch it through to his earpiece and carry on doing what he's doing Uh, but she then accuses him of not turning up to pick up the kids and they would do that that day now they they as far as his character was concerned that's not what was meant to happen at all Mm, yeah and i had a very 
long and involved um, post-spousal argument with <laughs> the character. And when it was done, I was like, cool, let's take a break. The other players had been sort of watching and were interested mm. in that. And I said, are you okay? Because that you seem really angry. And he was like, oh, no, 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 that was my character. My character was angry. But I genuinely thought at one point that he was going to leap across the table and rip my throat out. <laughs> because he'd got into into character. And it was just this little moment that was mm. really, really nice that, as a DM, I didn't have to work for that. I didn't have to plan anything. Yeah, It all came from the player. So I love it when players feed me these little tidbits to, to do. And I try to do it for the DM. Um, as much as possible to mm. include things um, yeah and he was distracted when things went down and took a penalty to his dice roll it was great <laughs> <laughs> I mean we've we've had these moments um, and I again this is this is why I say we we are a lot closer to the role play side of the spectrum than the combat side mm. we had in Rise of the Rune Lords where we managed to incapacitate and tie up a small dragon, <laughs> which was weird, but not the point of the story. <laughs> and it sounds kinky and disturbing. Then I think we spent three hours <laughs> arguing in character <laughs> over whether or not we should kill it or release it or try and cast a magic spell to change its alignment and make it not a shit anymore. <laughs> yeah. And about, well, I don't know, just over the three-hour mark, I think Colin got bored and shot it in the head. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was interesting. Yeah. And there was, and this was the weird thing. Like, it's my character going, no, it should die, it should die, it should die, it should die. Yeah. Because I was playing the... Cock Paladin. I was playing the Paladin Wanker <laughs> at that point. Yeah. Um... But had the um, we we'd finally come to an agree finally come to an agreement after three hours of being at each other's yeah. throats over this, and then we all just instantly went right. You're a dick, <laughs> and yeah. had a big argument with Colin, um, and that was that was something that really we should have gone. Oh, well, I say should have gone. Most groups would have gone. Cool, we've tied up the dragon. Um, we either kill it or we do something. Yeah, right, let's carry on. Yeah, or just fucking leave it in. And yeah. it, it shouldn't have been much, but a large yeah. part of our evening <laughs> was, taken up was basically over. achieving nothing. But that always stands out as quite a good time because we there was so much of that where we we were just talking in character at each other. Yeah. And I yeah. think it was mine and your characters, Brian, that were mostly me yeah. being the it's evil, it should die, and you being no, everything's got a chance. Look, we can cast redemption on it. Yeah. It's not going to work. It's evil. It should die. It will just kill more people. It's bad. Yeah. yeah. But I, I was playing... And this is comes back to what Aaron was saying about playing someone very different to you. I was playing a very naive... Happy... Um, happy-go-lucky... Cleric, cleric of, of death. death. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, my inspiration for this, because we talk about where characters yeah. come from, was the Eddie Izzard, uh, Cake Called Death, Church of England uh, sketch. Yeah. And I was like, I like that that mix of the really naive and happy and like a strange dark undercurrent yeah and the god of death in um in pathfinder is true neutral because death comes to everyone and death doesn't care yeah but you can worship the god and be in alignment step out so she was a neutral good 
devotee of death that was more about the birthing and the midwifery because it's t- and helping people die with dignity. It's death and childbirth. Yeah, it's yeah. the cycle. Yeah. Um, but she was raised by neutral evil, horrible cultists of death, but just didn't realise. <laughs> Because I thought that was quite a cool little background for yeah. her. Um, so essentially, she got sent off on a quest where they should never. She, they didn't want her to ever come back. But they weren't. They were forbidden from killing their own. Yeah. And they they presented they presented a cheerful face and then had dark things going on and mm. sort of layers within the cult. So I'd, I'd help. I talked with the DM and built up this cult that hid in plain sight. Yeah under the guise of the good side of the god of death. But she just did the good side and didn't realise. And then occasionally she'd like have a weird childhood memory and go, oh, that's why I didn't see those people again. They must have sacrificed them. Oh, <laughs> And things like that. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah, and then would ca- yeah, it, was, yeah. it was a bizarre yeah. character. Yeah. I quite it enjoyed was, uh, that character. I liked House. Yeah, House was fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, so with that, that background influenced the character and the character mm. influenced the background it all kind of got muddled together but it came out with a character I enjoyed playing one thing you can do as well because that comes from the world I looked at the god of death and went oh you could worship you could worship that god happily or really even yeah. that's quite interesting and I, I, I like that contradiction when you look at a setting you can sort of take something from the setting as your as your spark mm, yeah. um, one thing you can either so you could might see something in a world that you really like so there might be a guild and you go I'd really like to have been a member of that guild so you make someone who's part of that guild yeah. or wants to be part of that guild yeah. wants to be I think is better because it then gives you a, a goal. goal a motivation yeah, yeah. Um, but you know you might be part of it and that gives you allies and responsibility which can also be good motivation for your character one thing I like doing and I think this comes from my own chaotic urges in real life, possibly because I don't get to vent them in day to day, um, is I like to pick something and have conflict with it. Mm. Yeah. So um, I have played all sorts of weird things <laughs> because I found something I don't like in the setting that I think should change something that's unjust or unfair or unpleasant. And I, created a character that wants to change that that wants to do something about that mm. I quite remember I remember enjoying uh, Garrick your yeah. warlock who always had that no things should be different type attitude yes because he was different and was picked on for it yeah mm. yeah because uh, he was possessed by a demon and people don't tend to like that so yeah. he decided that everything should change so that people like him could be accepted mm. um, but I played him as being awkward to the point of being predictable. Yeah. Because he didn't trust anyone. He had no one that he trusted in his entire life. And his he had a really miserable backstory. Yeah. So he would always go against things. And the, the, the DM running did some quite skillful stuff where they would try to pressure me into doing something knowing I'd do the opposite. <laughs> because that's what the character would do. Oh, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing what I'm told. Stop telling me what to do. And they go, ha-ha, I knew you'd do that. And then, oh, I was in a whole mess of, oh, God. <laughs> so that was quite good. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I remember in in that we, again, we took a prisoner, and Garrick's there going, that person tried to kill us. 
It was a character, someone that your character had fought a duel with, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was Cassius. Yeah, was my I liked wife. Cassius. Cassius was fun as well. Yeah. Um, because he was lawful. He had a code. Yes, he was part of the Legion. And I was chaotic neutral, and you were lawful neutral. But yes. we got on quite well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was quite good. Yeah. Um, because my your your law your chaotic neutral side, and then, again, this is where we have that grey area more with the the lawful and the chaotic. My lawful was to the the uh, the Legion's code of practice, yeah, code yeah. of honour. Not to the laws of the land, which your chaotic side was related to. Yeah, you didn't care about the laws of the land. You were about your personal honour and yeah. your personal standing within I, your community. I remember many times yeah. going, "Well, you can you can go off and do that, but I'm not helping you." Yeah. If you come back, awesome. We'll still be friends, but I'm not doing that because of my reasons. Yeah. And and the little interactions like that. Well, well yeah. I'm going to go sneak in. Well, no, I'm not sneaking in. Yeah. But I remember, Give me a shout and I'll run through the door and stab things. But you know, it was that. Yeah, yeah. I remember we had a we had a good cleric with us. Yes, um, who was essentially the was essentially Patrick Stewart in a robe. <laughs> <laughs> it was like Captain Picard meets um, Professor Xavier. Yeah, yeah. Um, this this character, I, I was like, we need to we need to, this guy was like a evil cultist, and I was like, that he's just going to go and kill more people. He's incredibly powerful. Um, he has a breastplate with a demon eye coming out of it that yeah. like helps him, and he, he's just horrible. He's nasty. Um, we were like tying him up, and I may have punched him a few times, and he was like <laughs> laughing and uh, and also you know well, he's you, you a, a crazy character. Demon yeah. lightning out of your arm, didn't you? Yeah, You're just like shut up. Zap, zap, yeah. zap. <laughs> had the uncontrollable arm of unstoppable power. <laughs> yeah, um, that sometimes would carry on when I didn't want it to. Yeah, but again, skillful thing with the DM mm. was sort of using the, the the fact the character was possessed to uh, make things interesting. And I was like, kill him, kill him. And the good the good cleric said, well, if you kill him, you merely glorify his god, the god of suffering and pain and death. If we let him go, then he's lost. And I was like shit you're right but I don't like that <laughs> because now I want to piss I want to would I piss him off more ah, so we let him go <laughs> <laughs> and I think this is quite a good I can't I, I still to this day cannot decide whether this was a good example of DM bullshit or a <laughs> bad example of it okay because I still don't quite know how I feel about it as a player yeah um, is that after winning because that that duel happened and I seem to remember it going really badly in my favour when it probably shouldn't have. Yeah. Because it was designed that he was quite a powerful thing and the way I'd built the character just seemed to go, I win. Um, Yeah. In a couple of sessions' time, I ended up getting called out for another duel Yeah. with a character the DM had built that just went, I counter every single thing you can do. Yeah. Nope, 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 nope. They're like, well, my character would trip people up. Yeah. And then every time they tried to get up, go, nope, down the floor, yeah. nope, down the floor, nope, down the floor, while people zapped him, basically. Yeah. Yeah. You used you used the sword, and then he had re- he was really good at disarming people. It was yeah. a- and two weapons, good fight with two weapons. So he nicked your sword and hit you with. Basically, it. when. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he, yeah, so the DM had built a character specifically to go, haha, fuck you. Yeah. And there's part of me that always felt that that was slightly because. I'd fucked up the, the guy that you really liked <laughs> yeah. as one of his characters. Um, yeah. But it's interesting because it gives your character is all about the pride and the honour. Yeah. yeah. It gives that, them that's interesting nemesis. to play, 
But at some point, that character needs to come up against something that challenges that. Yeah. yeah. There's no point in me playing, oh, I'm really rebellious. I hate, I hate slavery. Let's move to the part of the world where there is no slavery and open a bakery. Yeah. Where's the conflict? conflict. Yeah. Stories thrive on conflict, which is why I like to pick something in conflict with the world. Yeah. And it was... And then this is, this is what I mean. There's, there's part of me that, that I think, potentially, if you do something like that for what you think is a very good story reason, yeah. make sure your players understand, because they might just think you're being a dick. Yeah. yeah. And, and this, like we said, you're not competing. Yeah, your DM and isn't that, competing. That very you. much felt like a competition at that yeah. point of going how I've made something that can beat yeah. you the thing is the, D- the DM can always just drop in something completely indestructible because he yeah. knows your character and, and I've seen that done I've had half a party killed and then the rest of us just sort of very big, much beaten to sleep <laughs> and then robbed and walked off because the DMs pitched things way too far yeah. the players that died pissed off because <laughs> um, interestingly enough we've had a pre-written campaign do that and throw something that's far beyond our level as, <laughs> that's supposed to scare the shit out of us and then we murdered it <laughs> oh, that was part, part, um, Rise of the Rune Lords again Lords, yeah. a, a, where the avatar of a god appears and we went oh that's big right let's fuck it up yeah. <laughs> and it was I can't trip this it uses a it uses a challenge rating system in yeah. this game so if you're all level 7 you could, you should be able to and be good at fighting things that are challenge rating seven. Yeah, we yeah. were ch- we were level nine and this thing was challenge rating sixteen or something yeah. ridiculous. Which should be, if you're fully prepared and you know you're fighting it, um, should still be a very, very very half the party should die. Yep, pretty much. It, it's balanced that way because it's a very mathematical system. Yes, it is based on crunching numbers and such like. Um, we beat the shit out of that. Yes. Yes, yes we did. That was interesting. <laughs> um, yeah. So just, just just to recap that then, looking at the background and either integrating or conflicting yeah. with that. Is yeah. there anything to add, Aaron? No, no, no. I think it's pretty good. Yeah, cool. We've just talked. we just reminisced a lot. That's fine. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so we've got some different approaches there where you've got taking things that you like from films, books, mm-hmm. TV, games replicating that giving it a twist combining one or two together using your background to help embed your character in the world give it things from the the dm's point of view they can use or Mm -hmm. to use those experiences to motivate or affect your character's personality or looking at things maybe from a rules perspective what kind of what we've looked at so far yeah and and also and it's it's bizarre how much of a really important point this is try and avoid too much conflict in your own party mm. um, party is the term used to describe your group of players yes. um, because you, you you just don't want like it could have been quite easy for the, the Garrick Cassius example yeah if that was rather than chaos and law if that was good and evil yeah uh, one of us would have murdered the other one yeah because yeah. that's what happens mm. you know one, one thing I did like was when we played Rise of the Rune Lord uh, Colin joined in quite late we found mm. his elven ranger um, in a stew pot that some ogres were cooking and pushed him out. <laughs> he, um, I think he was upside down in an empty pot at this point. Oh, they're, yeah, they're about, they're about to cook him, yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, it was quite funny. So we rescued him, <laughs> and he, he was there for a reason that tied him with us, so it get, got him in with the group. Mm. Yeah. Um, and he was basically playing a self-serving sort of bastard character. He was, yeah. he was, he was a, a bounty hunter. Yeah, he was, yeah. Um, 
And then by the end of that campaign, because the rest of us were all good, his alignment had shifted mm. because he played the character as being sort of inspired by seeing us being better people and started wanting to fit in and be like us. He had the character didn't really have many friends because he was a self-serving lone wolf. Yeah, and actually liked the um, the company. He decided, and the character had changed. And that's something that I quite like is when a character is different at the end of the story than they are at the beginning. Yeah. He ended up being given divine gifts by one of the good gods, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. Oh, Which yeah. was quite nice. Yeah. Yeah, it was... It wasn't where you expected the character to go. Mm. No. And being able to sort of surprise and twist your character in that sort of way. Well, I, could, I almost see if things go badly and some of us get murdered by watchers in Genlab, I can see Murakami <laughs> taking a much more aggressive stance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, being and ending up being almost this crazy berserker. Well, if he if he keeps failing the little people, he's going to push the little people away. It doesn't necessarily even have to do that. I mean, it could break Murakami depending on what happens. Yeah. You know, being yeah. angry occasionally seems to have gotten these little things killed and yeah. completely rescind on. So he could completely go the other way. Yeah. yeah if he yeah. causes the fight, if he causes a fight that gets someone else killed, he could go completely the yeah. other way. Yeah. Whereas if he hasn't, if we don't start a fight that that starts, and yeah, the 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 person, the the smallest one, gets murdered. Yeah. You might find the yeah rather than being this. Oh well, maybe maybe we should be. A little bit more thoughtful, or not murder the thing. Yeah. It might just be like, no, fuck it. Every yeah. single one we kill, yeah. I'm going to headbutt it into yeah. the floor. <laughs> and if you're playing a very, very crunchy game of dungeon delving and such, like maybe mm, some of this personality, yeah, maybe some <laughs> of this personality stuff isn't necessarily the great thing. But you might think of an archetype that mm. lets you throw out some great one-liners yeah. when you decapitate yeah. the bad guy or thing. You can still use some of it for, for fun, but because. Uh, because you're playing, you're telling a story together. If you can make an interesting character, you're not only entertaining yourself; you're entertaining the other people round the table, the other yep. players, and the DM. So, you know, taking a little bit of time to think about this, I think, is worthwhile. Oh, definitely, and um, that leads on perfectly to what I was going to say. In that, taking a bit of time to think about something, very important. More so in systems that require it, so, which sounds odd. You look at something like Dungeons and Dragons. There are lots of prerequisites for different things to happen. Yeah. So you yeah. kind of need to look into your character's future and see where you want to go. If yeah. you're starting at level one, but you want to become an assassin, an assassin needs to take a certain list set of feats by a certain level to be able to get into it effectively. You need certain ranks and certain skills, and so if you if you want to be efficient because you're playing a crunchy numbers murder stuff game. Plan ahead. Yeah, so even, you know, we're planning ahead for story purposes, yeah. maybe, with yeah. personality and background. Plan ahead from a rules perspective. Yeah, that, yeah. Well, yeah. both if it fits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's no, there's, it's very silly to not plan ahead for the story because you can, like you said, you can get it into any campaign. Yeah. But you might need to plan ahead and it might be something that your, your uh, DM need to help you with. Yeah, yeah. If it how, depending on how familiar you are with the system. Like I know if we went... <laughs> we've got this horror campaign for Pathfinder, we're going to play that, and we're all starting at level one, I'd be quite happy going, by level ten, I want to have these things. Yeah. So I need yeah. to take this at this level, otherwise it doesn't work. Yeah. You, Aaron, who's not playing, you would go... I have no idea. I could make a level one character, Yes. and I know what I want to be at level ten, but the the mid the getting there would be quite difficult, yeah. so one of us would sit with you and go... You need to do this, this, this. Yeah, or you need to have your attributes in this thing, and you need to do that, and you yeah. need to do this, and 
So again, that's again, discussion. Something to talk yeah. about with your DM. Yeah. <coughs> because games like Mutant, just pick and choose what you want yeah. as and when you want it. Games yeah. like D and D, you really need to plan in advance because yeah. it's the way the system works. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's nice to be able to to know why your character is there. Yeah. What is my motivation in this scene? Um, although sort of like a theatrical cliche. Yeah. It um, does work. Yeah. You're, if you're playing a character, just knowing why. I know. I know why Murakami, for instance, is doing what he's doing. I mm. knew why Garrick was doing what he was doing. He might end up out of his depth and completely lost, but there was still something there. It's like, I need to get back to this. I need to live for this reason. I like this character. I dislike that person. Yeah. You know, if if the party was in desperate peril and I could only save one, I know exactly which all of my characters would pick. Mm. It would be a hard choice... But if I was pushed to that point, I, I know that Garrick would have saved Cassius and Murakami would save um, Nine. Not Suarez. Niner. Yeah, it's not yeah, a, yeah, Niner. Niner Sorry. Suarez. Because you've got two names and my, my brain went, one of them must be wrong. Um, yeah, he would <laughs> he would save Niner because of the, the interactions that they had. Mm. And that just comes back to the thing of not necessarily getting too fixed on... This is my character, and it's playing exactly this way for the next year of roleplay yeah. time. Mm. If you think of good stories, characters change throughout them. Yeah, yes. um, enemies become friends. Friends become enemies. Um, I mean, I mentioned Daredevil earlier because I've been watching Daredevil fairly recently. He's not the same character at the end of the second series as he is at the beginning of the first. Yeah, there's been lots of stuff that's happened that's changed his outlook, mm. uh, made him push friends away and acting in a, in a different way um, you take Lord of the Rings we've mentioned yeah um, was that what you were going to mention no I, I was going to say where we said earlier about pick a character mm. like I picked Kane. yeah now there are four books about Kane. I could have put, picked start of book one Kane. yeah yeah midway through book three Kane. And then if you're doing stuff like that and you are basing it on something else, think, well, why are they now like they are? What impacted their personality? What changed them? You go, well, there was this horrible thing that happened. I might not pick the same horrible thing um, as as that's happened in the, the media that I've got it from. Yeah. Because if we use the Daredevil example, letting that killer back out onto the streets might have really angered him. Yeah. If I'm playing a bloke in... Like Dungeons and Dragons land. Um, I'm not a lawyer, so maybe if I was a bounty hunter, not getting that person or you get them, give them to... over to the person yeah. and then they just go, okay, cool, and just set them free again straight away. It's just what to talk to him. Yeah, there, know, there could be there could be some you 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 can use bits of their past and twist them to fit your yeah. past and but also like that. was Kane exactly the same as the character in the book by the end of the, your time playing him. He had similarities. Yeah, the, like, the core is the same. Well, that's like God complex that he developed from yeah, being yeah. amazing um, and having the, the most broken power. <laughs> but if the campaign, if stuff hadn't happened like that in the game, Kane perhaps wouldn't have developed. No, nah, this way. is it. Exactly. So, interestingly enough, um, character Kane as opposed to book Kane became far more detached. Yeah. Um, and far more apathetic to other people's plights because every time he tried and help, someone else fucked it up. Yeah. So yeah. he stopped caring. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and was getting progressively weaker, which was actually strangely similar to the books. Um, but yeah, so it, yeah, it, it's yeah. weird. Like you say, certain analog- certain bits worked out and then other bits completely changed. And this is the thing, even if you completely copied a character, by the end of a couple of sessions, you might end up with a character that's quite far removed. Yeah. Purely because of your interactions with other people. And you might go, oh, fucking hell, that's a genius idea. My character never thought of it that way. I'm going to listen to you more. Yeah, 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 definitely. But yeah, allowing the the events of... Because you've built a story before that has shaped your character. Allowing the mm. events of the campaign to shape your character mm. um, is very, very... It can be really, really... Um, fulfilling. Fulfilling. Satisfying. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, you think of, say, Frodo's journey yeah. and how he's sort of cynical and and sort of hard bitten by the end of it he's mm. not the same person no, but you no, can no. see exactly why yeah. he's mm. the person that he uh, that he is and sometimes you can really sort of surprise yourself with what you end up doing yeah um, for instance my gentle giant character was always tries to talk things through the only thing I thought was we were we, we were camping out in someone's um, in, in, a, in another animal's well, den it appeared to be an abandoned hut yeah twice, didn't it? yeah and this rat came in now one of our one of our party is a member of, of rat tribes mm. she's a squirrel because that's how they work it's sort of a grouping of similar animals yeah. rather than specifically just rats so the guy started picking on her and being really horrible to her. Now, she was the only reason we'd managed to survive up until this point. Yeah. And she is quite small. Mm-hmm. And Murakami's naturally protective of the smaller things. So he he kind of intervened and, and said, stop being horrible to my friend. And he carried on and then used his dominate um, to Try basically... Put you in your place, wasn't Put it? me in my place. And Murakami's reaction is either, when that happens, is to yield, yep. as an animal would, you know, almost like roll over, show your belly, mm-hmm. you've beaten me up, you're, you're stronger, please don't kill me. Yeah. Or to fight for their life. Fight or flight, essentially. Yeah. And without even thinking, I was like, I'm going to headbutt him, he's threatening my friend. And I was like, oh, I didn't actually... It just came out of my mouth. And I was yeah. like, but actually it makes perfect sense. Yes. That was the first time I'd struck another animal. I'd been mm. mugged on my own and just gave in. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't want... The character doesn't want that conflict. But it's not about him. It's about someone smaller than him that he wants to protect. Yeah. So, yeah, and I was really surprised. And then I headbutted, headbutted the guy. He fell on the floor, wet himself. We realised he was a tramp. So I knelt down and apologised very much. <laughs> <laughs> and tried to bring him round. Um... <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, you know so that, that surprised me, but it was but it was within the characters. Yeah, it was also a very so, interesting yeah. moment of character development. Yeah, what do you do in this you situation? You to kind of realise that you have that potential within yourself to cause yeah. another animal harm. If you had to pick a character, not one of your own, but mm-hmm. one that you've played with, that you have enjoyed playing with the most. God, this character's name's gone from my head. Mm. Uh, but the gearhead from uh, the mutant campaign yeah who essentially became a communist towards the end of it yeah but like a violent Stalinist communist yeah well no he started off as like an actual like ideal 
idealistic, communist, idealistic yeah. communist, and then people wouldn't listen to him, and then got and killed. got killed, and he kind of snapped and went, "You're all stupid. The only way you're all going to survive is if I tell you exactly what to do and make sure you're, I've got your best interests at heart." So yeah, became Stalinist communist. And yeah. I quite like that development he, we crafted through that, and the, the snapping was quite fun. He yes. can't just do mad breaking quite oh, well. He does. He does. Yeah. I've very much enjoyed. I'd probably say I can narrow it down to two. Yeah. Which are two of that we've mentioned, which are probably Mouse and Garrick. Yeah, mm. I would. Um, <laughs> because Mouse was mad. Convinced that just a screw yeah. loose. See, I never got to witness too much of that. I heard mm. all the stories. Yeah. But I was, God, yeah, she, yeah. She was mental. But in a sad way. Yeah, 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 yeah. But mad. Just uh, trying to think what the maddest thing I did was. I, I memories of you polymorphing yourself into a unicorn. That's to, exactly what I thought. To yeah. get through the, <laughs> the magic barrier that turned you into a fish. Yeah, it's a magic barrier. If you went through it, it would turn you into a fish and put you in a bowl, and then someone had to unpolymorph you. And you, you know, ended up back. in this little pond, didn't you? Yeah, because um, we found other fish that were in the pond. Yeah. and took one as a pet because it <laughs> talked to us. Because it, it, it showed up as being good. Yeah. Therefore, we right. assumed it was a person, <laughs> um, and then we unpolymorphed it, and it was like a four thousand year old dwarf who'd been a a, a fish for th- four thousand years, and just very occasionally would stand there, not really paying attention, with his mouth going. But then he died horribly. Yeah. Um, we kicked him out with some treasure. It was uh, it was quite yeah. good. And yeah, I, I made a bargain with whatever was controlling the door that I got to be a unicorn. Yeah. And then galloped <laughs> around and refused to turn back. <laughs> no, 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 no. It wasn't with whatever. Um, you made a bargain with Rob that you would only let oh, him polymorph yes. you if he turned you into a unicorn. Was, yeah, because Rob Rob's character was turning. Because if we were already polymorphed, we it just couldn't went be poly- Yeah. 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 Um, and Garrick, just because of the a lot of just the interesting conversations and differences of opinion that he had with Cassius, it was just quite a fun yeah. character. Considering they were friends, mm. to have very different opinions on certain topics and to be just like, oh, for God's sake! But still knowing they had each other, very much like me and Brian are in yeah. real life. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just, that was a very good roleplay experience. Yeah. Although... I will put an honourable mention to a friend's character who, when not given anything to do, would sit on rocks and whittle. Yeah. <laughs> what, are you, what, what are you going to do? I'm going to sit here, get a small piece of wood and, and whittle. Like, what, what, why are you doing that? I took it as a skill. He <laughs> <laughs> just had like a single point in whittling and would just like carve a figurine every now and then. Yeah. Was that the same character that had the comb oh god yeah yeah because I didn't play with this character this was a character I had to put up with as a DM um, they found a jewel encrusted comb as a piece of treasure because yeah. rather than saying oh you find <laughs> some fat th- yeah you find x thousand gold pieces of sellable goods that weigh this much it's a bit dull you know try yeah. to give some thing some, some kind of <laughs> thing his favourite thing yeah so he kept it <laughs> and it would be like what are you going to do and if he couldn't whittle He'd pull out his comb and comb his hair <laughs> and, and like really show off it's like a greaser. Yeah, no, like they'd meet like they, they'd be in they'd meet a noble <coughs> family. So he tried to impress them by combing his hair with his uh, really expensive comb. Well, like covered in mud. Yeah, <laughs> blood and other people's <coughs> effluence. It, yeah, it was yeah that was that was entertaining. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't get to play with characters too much because I tend to, to run tend to the run, game. Yeah. Uh, but there's loads that that stand out, all for sort of different different reasons. Um, I really enjoyed. We played a twenty four hour game, um, and I played that game with uh, with Colin again. Mm. And Colin makes Colin's slightly crazy in real life, so his characters tend to yeah. they tend to have something very strong about them. He makes a really strong hook. Yeah. for the character um, is this his fighting bard by any chance it, no it was his that's that the paladin bard that you're thinking of that, that, tried that died to... all the time because yeah. had six hit points yeah at like level 50 um, no um, he played a he played a um, a devotee of the god of war I played the noble daughter of this settlement that was invaded Hmm. And taken over. It's like a hostile. It's like a hostile takeover. They annexed our yeah. our village, and um, I was. I'm, I'm stood there, and we've all been herded into the village square, basically to be told by the the orcs that hmm. if we did as we were told, they wouldn't kill us. And I look up at him, and I go, um, I, "He's this giant guy in plate mail with a giant sort of buster sword yeah. kind of thing," and I'm like. Don't start anything. Um, don't get my people killed. And he just sort of turns around to me and goes, but why? I outnumber them one to 20. <laughs> and I'm like, no, they outnumber you 20 to one. And he goes, oh, I could take them. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, you'll get everyone else killed. He goes, yes, but imagine the glory if I won. And of course, if I lost, I would have died facing ma- massive odds. I'll still be a hero. And he starts towards them and my character's like, no, stop it. And he's just like, let's play this absolute, like the, the character, again, it had that strong hook. Yeah. yeah. It wanted to fight the biggest fight, challenge the biggest enemy, die gloriously or get covered in glory for, for winning. Yeah. And so just had a massive death wish and it was completely counter to what my character was doing. Mm. But we sort of balanced out really well. Yeah. Um, and it was, yeah, that was really, really, that was really, really um, fun. Um, but there's just been loads of great characters that people have yeah. really sort of put some time and effort into mm. throughout. You know, we've talked about quite a lot of them. But yeah, there have been lots of great characters. We talked about them a lot because hopefully by sort of hearing examples, we might we might bore you to death, people telling their role play stories. Hopefully inspire. Yeah, inspire something. And it, it's... Yeah. As, a, as we said right back at the beginning, it can be intimidating. Make up a person and go and be that person. But we've met people, steal bits of those people, yeah. use them, or put yourself in that position and think, how would I be? What would I do if, you know, in 40 years' time, if mega corporations ruled the world more openly than they do now? Yeah. Um, you know, if magic was real, what would I think about that? Would I be afraid of it? Or would I want it? Yeah, that's an interesting point as well. If you, if because we said earlier about picking a picking a start point. Yeah, pick a pick a class, pick a particular skill you like, pick something, and then ask yourself questions. Like you said, so I want to be a fighter. Something breaks in and I want to kill it. What do I hit it with? Yeah, uh, I'll probably use it. I'd quite like it. having an axe. Okay, cool. If you, you know, um, they try to hit you. What do you? What stops the blow? Is it your armor? Do you have a shield? Do you dodge out the way nimbly? And you can start to 
build this kind of, someone threatens you, yeah. how do you react? And you can build yeah. yourself a character by just imagining little scenarios and go, yeah. what would they do? And you slowly build up this picture. Yeah. Um, I want to play the investigator. Okay, but I get caught while looking at a th- breaking in someone's house, looking at a thing. Do I fight them? Do I run away? Do I hide? Do I charm my way out of it? Yeah, yeah and you, you can build a character like that. Yeah, um, that's a great, great method that we should have mentioned an hour and a half ago. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> it's a pro tip for those that are still listening. So well yeah. done, you. Yeah, well, buy yourself a biscuit. Um, yeah, so that that's great. I think, um, as we said in our, the next one in our series, we'll look at maybe DMing, mm. um, and I'll hopefully we can get another DM because you guys. I don't know if you've ever run anything, Joe. You haven't run anything that I've played. Not yet. successfully. Yeah. Um, but that'll be interesting to pick your brain yeah. on that and maybe talk about what didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, Aaron, I know you've not run anything no. before, um, but that'd be quite good because, again, we can look at why that is and mm. what you'd want to know before you'd feel happy yeah. doing that. Um, so that'd be quite quite good. Um, so that'll be sort of our next episode of this little mini series probably about a month's time yeah um, events in the real world permitting yeah <laughs> depending on what else we cover uh, yeah. between uh, between now and then um, anything to add just no I think that's been a fairly good thing um, yeah. obviously like you said at the beginning uh, yeah. ask questions yeah if we don't if you want some more information on something or Oh yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. So if you've got any tips for sort of developing compelling characters, yeah. well, you, you haven't it, even talked about non-player characters from a DM's perspective. A lot of these lessons cross over, so we'll talk about them next specifically time. next time. Um, but yeah, if you think we've got anything horribly wrong as well, and you've had things different in your experience, you yeah, think something yeah. we've tried is, something we've done and that just hasn't worked for them, at then all. do let us know. Yeah. We can either yeah. tell you where you're going wrong or yeah. um, <laughs> agree with you. Yeah, and and please feel free to to share in the comments um, your stories of your characters oh, please do yeah 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 because um, we love hearing that sort of thing yeah and i find it because as we, we've mentioned quite a bit that role play works differently for different groups and different people mm. i've got 17 years of role play experience but it's probably only with about 30 people mm. yeah whereas mine we said what 11 12 years yeah and you're probably talking 10 people. yeah so it'd be really interesting to hear from you how things work for you in your games, etc., etc. It'd be really interesting to sort mm. of talk, to share that. Um, so yeah, thank thank you for listening. Um, if you do like this and you think maybe people you know uh, would get something out of it, please feel free to share it. it makes me happy when that happens. Yeah, um, <laughs> share it to your entire roleplay group. Yes, everyone should listen. Hold them down and blast it into their ears like <laughs> they were Guantanamo Bay prisoners. <laughs> Too political. Great ending. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, please do, do get in touch. Um, yes. I'd really like to hear what other pe- how other people play these games and yeah. what they think of the way we do it. Um, so, yeah, thank you for listening. Um, we've been the Critical Twits. I've been Brian. I've been Aaron. And I've been Joe. And until next time, thanks again. Bye. I've waved again every, every week. Bye. Who's that guy? Mr. B. Bye. <laughs>